Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. honored to welcome Tom Steyer to the podcast. Tom, who has been a champion of environmental causes in his personification of putting the money where his mouth is, his most recent campaign for the Democratic nomination for president of the United States, where he championed the environment and the Green New Deal brought much needed attention to these causes. I am so proud to welcome him to Superman's Not Coming. (laughs) Tom, what first made you turn towards environmental activism? And I have to say this, I am really thrilled and excited to have you. So let me say that first, and then we can start our conversation. You know, really what happened was I had had a faith in America and the American system And starting somewhere around 15 years ago, I couldn't understand why the system wasn't dealing with climate. And what brought it to my attention, I've got four kids. And uh, sitting around the dinner table, we were talking about, we used to play this game of what are we doing as a society that we're going to look back in 100 years and go, oh man, these guys were really brain dead. So And let's not do that. Like, let's try and ask ourselves from perspective a long time, a long time in the future, what in our society made no sense, was unjust, was dangerous, was totally selfish, and people were blind to. And the kids were all like, Dad, look at it. It's the world. <laughs> right. And so, I, I, and so we had the problem. And then I spent a lo- uh, several years you know, trying to think, why is that true? Because the American system works. How is it possible that we're blowing this? And I thought it's tech. I spent a, I, I donated a bunch of money for research so we could have better clean technologies. I thought mm-hmm. no people just don't know. So I right. did a bunch of bipartisan studies with Republicans and independents to say, and business leaders around the country mm-hmm. to say, this is com- you know this is economic and it's health and it's everything we can improve. And then I decided, and then I realized, oh no, it's politics. Everybody knows what you knew, Tom. You're the last person on earth to figure this out. No, I think I'm going to be the last person on earth to figure this out because you don't want it to be. No, you want to believe the system works. You want to believe that if there's something that we can do as a society that makes people better paid and better employed, makes people healthier, cleaner air, cleaner water, particularly black and brown people, you want to believe that and we're safer around the world and we lead the world and we actually preserve the planet. You know, we do the two things, take care of the right. most vulnerable amongst us yes. and preserve God's earth. Yes. Do those two things. And it makes us better employed and richer and healthier. Like who doesn't want to do that as an American? Like that's Absolutely. our whole mission in life. It is. And you know, uh, Superman's not coming on the podcast. Superman's not coming is my book. And, and in my communities, I see like the utter sock in the gut that there has been this perception or idea. I don't know. Is it an illusion 
that these agencies and our leaders would in fact have had our back on this. And to find out that they don't and they haven't, I think is mind blowing to us. Look, it changed my orientation towards my, well, certainly my orientation towards our government and toward, I felt like, boy, they know this. You know, all the studies that we did that showed it's a win, 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 win for America, for every American. I don't think we changed one thing. I mean, it was a great education for me that that's not how our system works. That in fact, there were strong political actors whose, whose mm-hmm. profits and money would, were threatened by doing the right thing for America. And that we were it's like, I, I was just so naive. And I thought, okay, here we go. You know, the, we have to change this. How do we organize ourselves? Right. How do we pull together our own organizations and our own people and our own interests to stand up for the whole group of us? How do we organize to win? And that's what I've been trying to do for the last 10 years. Oh, well, this is why, you know, I look, I've already told you how excited I am that you are here today. Um, and, and I get it. And I, I think it's a great conversation because I have spent a great deal of my work. It is all, very much about the environment and the water and the is. climate change. And what I have learned is, you know, I think of water as a metaphor. It's life. We are water. But as it crashes on a rock, you know how it slowly starts eroding and pulling layers away? When you get involved in the environment, those layers start to come down with you. And in that process, I think you find yourself, you find your voice, and you got to find that courage to speak out against a system that you think is there for you. And then we have to kind of do the whole, blah, blah, blah. has this been an illusion? Was, is it designed to be this way? Have we been duped or did we get comfortable and complacent? Well, you know, what I've, what I've really seen, Aaron, and I, I love your analogy. I mean, it's really, we all grew up thinking the system somehow magically works in a democracy. Mm-hmm. And really what works in a democracy is organization. The organized groups push their interests and win. And the oil and gas business is organized and they give a third of the money to the Republican party. They're organized to win at the expense of the American people. So the question is, how do we organize against that? And it's not the way, you know, I often feel as if the press has an image of how the world works and it goes, it's an underlying current that that goes through their stories that's never expressed but it's implicit in every story. So for instance, one of their theses that they never say, but that's absolutely true is that environmentalists are well-educated white people driving Prius, driving Priuses and Teslas. It's like, no, that's not true. No, it turns out that if you look at who cares, who votes, it starts with Latinos. It goes to African-Americans and then Asian-Americans. And we haven't even mentioned Native Americans. So it's like, no, your image of who cares and who votes doesn't square with reality. And, and so 
there's something where, you know, I think this happens in a lot of political issues where if you really examine the truth right. on the ground with the human beings living their lives, it's very different from the story that you read in the press that's implicit about who environmentalists are. I, I totally agree with you. And I, I speak about this all the time. Uh, I learned at a very young age, uh, I'm a dyslexic. So I was quickly put into a box and labeled and judged yeah. and perceived because I was this, I couldn't be that. And that is the one thing that could be, is nothing could be further from the truth. And when I get into these communities, precisely what we're talking about now is exactly why they don't get engaged because they've got this perception, this idea, they're this, they're that. And because they're not a news anchor or they're not a politician or they didn't do well in science, they can't say anything. I don't understand. I'm not, listen, as I said, I'm a dyslexic. So I'll ask a question. Oftentimes people don't because you don't want to be the silliest one in the room, right? And how we get past that. But there's such a perception that if you don't know something, you're a failure. When I encourage communities, it's because of what they've seen, what they've experienced. They're rooted in it. This is why moms are the best. I'm telling you, moms are on the move. And always have been. Yes, but it's just not been heard. I agree with that. And it's about, and they're getting more organized. If you look at what's going on right now, you can see climate. Look, I'm, an org- I'm a believer right. in turnout and organization because the elections in 2020, that's what changed the elections in 2018. That's where we are. We're such a divided society. There are very few who are open to persuasion. Very few. Most people have made up their minds. What they haven't decided is whether to vote at all. And Correct. So, so that's one thing. That's a huge issue. One of the issues that is now mainstream is climate. It's just not always expressed as climate. So if you look at the Biden campaign, they have a great climate plan that revolves Mm -hmm. around job creation. Yes. Clean air, clean water, particularly in black and brown communities. Yes. As spending $2 trillion. It's a really good plan and it is reaching people. And if you look at what happened in Massachusetts, Somebody who'd been in the House and Senate, Ed Markey, was challenged. And he ran to the left on climate to energize the progressive base. And he watched all of that. And isn't that awesome? But it's now, that's where the energy, people, what we, you know, 10 years ago, no one liked to talk about. People thought this was like the worst political idea of all time. This is like how you lose People are now realizing that that's how you reach people. That's how you reach young people and revolves around their health, their job prospects and the future and a safe future. Absolutely. And you bring up, we see it. And oftentimes we're, we're very visual and we are now in a very visual moment with climate because you're going to have seawater intrusion. Our municipalities can't handle that. We can't drink that. You're going to have more floods, which causes more pollution. All the refineries that get flooded out down in the south, um, the drought, no water, fire. Hurricanes. Absolutely. 
and they become water events. And I agree with you that the word climate change, um, I don't know that people understand it because I think they think of climate as something like air that they can't necessarily see. But now we see it. Well, you know, Aaron, one of the things I had a stickler on language. <laughs> My mom and he was that way. hated one. jargon. And I always say to people, you know, food insecurity, that doesn't mean a darn thing to me. You know what means something to me? Hungry child gets me right in the heart. Food insecurity is like a theory that you get in class. Climate change sounds like something you get in 11th grade science. Water in your living room that ruins your house. Yes. That, you know, a flood that forces millions of people to move. A drought right. that imperils food and forces millions of people to move. That's something that I get. I see people on the road. I think of people right. suffering. I think of kids suffering. And it's like, no, we can't have that. But climate change, it's like, right. I think I got to be on that course. Because they, it, they can't see it. It's not like tangible. And I'm very much like that. I, you know, I need to see and touch and feel. And Everybody um, does. Right. And, you know, if you talk in this jargon, this political jargon, yeah, it's like, you say one, I used to say to people, if you use the words GDP, you've lost me. Correct. I'm an econ poli sci major. I know what GDP is, but it's like, no, why don't we talk about something that actually affects a human being for a change? GDP, Correct. that's freshman year in college. You, you know, I have a button that says Democrat, Republican, water. I check water. <laughs> and yeah, the, the political part, part of this, uh, you know, and I don't like to talk about politics, but you're right. It goes to politics. I do not think you have to be one side or the other to do something about your water, your climate, your environment, this planet that we all call home. I was raised by a Republican dad from Kansas who actually ran the pipelines for Citigroup. He's the one that really? taught me. Uh, no, yes. I did not know that, Eric. That is he fascinating. Is the, yes. And he is the one that taught me. I could almost cry. Yes, we have. Is our land, our water, our air, and the gift of our health and family. Totally. He taught me about the environment. And I didn't hear a message from one side Republican Party. I heard a message from my dad. Yeah. That all of us, no matter what side of the aisle, must deal with this issue. Look, it's, it's funny. As I've gotten older, and I'm, I'm 63 years old, the delight that You're I take young. in the natural world. Oh, my gosh. Isn't it amazing? Only goes up. You know, honestly, I mean, I live in San Francisco. The chance to see birds is, you know, we have incredible bird migration here. And it is just such a joy to see birds now. It's a joy, you know, we get dolphins in the bay to see yeah. Yeah. dolphins in the bay. It's like, oh my gosh, that's like a magical moment. It so is magical. Appreciating. And then there's, and the, the health aspect of it, breathing clean air. Obviously we've had these huge fires in California and the air quality has yeah, been, been terrible. Enjoying breathing, knowing that the air is clean, drinking clean water. It's a joy. And the opposite is so painful for people. And that is, it's dangerous. It's unsustainable. 
and it threatens everything in the rest of our lives. So it does. Yeah. Every fiber of our being, it affects us behaviorally, emotionally, mentally, physically. And I don't know if we took it for granted. But you know, the issue we've been having, Aaron, for so long that I hope we've laid to rest is this issue of, okay, that's great. You want to be healthy. You want to have a natural life that can sustain your, yourself and your kids and your family. What about jobs? Isn't everything you're okay. talking about really a job killer? And the answer is no, exactly the opposite. No. Actually, this is a job creator for our society in a huge way. This will make us, this will lower our costs, put t- the, the Biden plan is $2 trillion in four years. It's millions of jobs rebuilding America. It is. Jobs or a safe, healthy environment is baloney. And getting there is, is going to be a huge job creator. That's part of the, why the Biden plan is so great. But it's like, well, we have to have this idea. And this is a classic falsehood from the media that basically business people are the, the grownups. And- Everybody else is like the kids who have their interests. Right. We got to come home to the grownups. And the grownups are telling us we have to pollute the hell out of it to have jobs. And so therefore, sorry, you know, we really have to. It's like, it's, no, that's complete baloney. That's complete uh, and utter crock. Absolutely. I have always believed, you know, one thing here I want to say that I believe there's plenty of room in here for technology and industry and companies to do the right thing. Totally. But they have this like bad business model. Let's lie, cheat, not fix our infrastructure and just string it out down the line. And the tech is here. We've developed the tech. Now we have to implement the tech. You know, we've got to do this stuff and we can. And, you know, it's cheaper now to be clean than it is to be dirty. So the argument is we want a dangerous, dirty, expensive fuel because it's good for our bottom line and we want you to subsidize us. It's like, no, that doesn't make any sense. So this is, you know, I, I have my Wizard of Oz theory about the book and, you know, Dorothy and the Cowardly Lion and the Tin Men and the Scarecrow. It's the representation of the American people. And there really is no wizard. But we are, do you think we're in a wake up moment where we are going to now believe what we see and find our courage and realize we've always had a brain and we've always had a heart and that maybe the system do you think was designed to fail? That's a conclusion I'm coming to. Well, I think that we are in a wake up moment. I think, look, we're, this is our generational year. Yep. No doubt in my mind. And and I'll, I'll give you some stats. The way that we're going to know whether that's true or false, Aaron, is by turnout. Mm-hmm. How many Americans show up at the polls this November? And if that number is huge and off the chart, that will be the Correct. measure. And I'll give you, and I absolutely believe it, it. It's this year. This is where we go one way or the other. Absolutely. We're at the fork in the road. Yes. And so, so everybody has to show up because this is our moment. And I'll tell you less, the, the, the Massachusetts, I'm, the Massachusetts primary between Ed Markey and That gave you an indicator. So a normal turnout in a primary is between 500 people in Massachusetts. They haven't finished counting the votes and they're at a million four. Wow. So I'm just saying, 
that's what we're seeing. You know, I started this organization eight years ago, Next Gen America, to organize and empower young people, to, to get them engaged and to get them thinking their vote really counts and for yes. them to take their power. Biggest generation in America, most diverse generation in America votes at half the rate of other Americans. When they show up, we have a different country. And Correct. so what we're seeing, absolute change in terms of attitudes towards voting. We're seeing off the chart, highest turnout ever by people under 30 was 2008 for Barack, 52% turnout of people under 30. That's a terribly low number. Mm-hmm. Presidential elections, America averages in the high 70s. We're going to blow away 52% this year for people under 30. So next gen has figured out Superman's not coming. <laughs> this well, is Superman isn't coming. You're exactly yep. right. That waiting for the hero moment. No, no the hero it. is the American people. Yes. You're standing right in front of yourself. Yes. So. If we show up, the answer is right. If we, if we disdain the system, if we don't show up, okay, then that's how bad things happen. Well, I'm a baby boomer. You're a baby boomer. And, and I think the baby boomers in this next-gen America really need to join forces because, I mean, we've been through this. And we can impart a wisdom. And again, like we've missed an environmental movement for a long time. Yeah. You know, in 1970, the first Earth Day, it was, I think it was 70, I think 22 million people were on the streets. 22 million people came out for Earth Day in a much smaller America. Like, mm-hmm. no, we, you remember the Cuyahoga River was on fire. Out of the Earth, first Earth Day came... Environmental Protection Agency, clean air, clean water, the whole kit and caboodle. And that's why I'm so in, you know, so excited about young people taking their power. Because when that happens, the value system is going to be different. And the, uh, the, the, the framework for government is going to be different. And the understanding of what government is and what responsibilities are to each other is going to be different. And we need that change. We're so overdue. For yeah. that change. And, and we honestly right. can't survive not doing that. Uh, in all seriousness, if you're a climate person and you look at the science, I mean, the UN said we have nine years from yeah. inauguration date to solve this problem. You know, A, I think that may be optimistic, but in any case, if you have nine years to solve it, you can't wait eight years and do it in the ninth year. You better well, you just reckon. You just said something that I was going to ask you. What is our time frame? Because, you know, I talk to a lot of people and they're like, well, you know, there's nothing we can do about it now. It's too late or we're being told it's too late. So what, what is your opinion on that timeline? You just were talking about it. I was just giving the UN because that, you know, people love to have something certain. What I would say is this. <laughs> we're all, I mean, Aaron, we're in California. How many fires have we had in this state? We have a record number of hurricanes in the Gulf this year. Yep. Of course there are. That's based on the heat of the water in the, in the Caribbean. Yep. So we're not missing climate change, no matter what we do at this point. We're, we're living in it. It's here. And so the question is, how far are you going to let it go? And at what point does it develop its own momentum so that, that now we're not capable of stopping it anymore? And so, look, we're in a... 
I mean, how else to put this? This is the challenge we have. We have racial injustice in our society. Mm -hmm. We have a huge pandemic. We have an incredible economic slowdown that we haven't even started to grapple with what that means for people across our society and across the world. And we've endangered the health and safety of Americans and people across the planet. We're in a cr multiple crises. And so yes, we, are. we need different leadership. We need different values and we need a reorientation of what we're doing on this planet. And Correct. until we accept the challenge of solving those crises, we're not going to. And if we can solve them, that will be the contribution that we make and that justifies yes. our being on this planet together. Do the right thing together. Well, I look at it as, as exciting, it's joyous, it's hopeful, it's invigorating, it's energizing. Listen, this planet we all call home. There's no water and nothing but polluted air. I'm sorry. It's game over. Why would we even go down that road? You know what disappoints me is, and I'm always, when I say they, I'm always looking around, who are they anyway? And where are you that makes all these rules and, and where we're supposed to, to be or behave? And why that generation that, that has been in the system doesn't just gladly and willingly pass the torch, if you will. And I got to pass the Olympic torch. And I got to tell you what, you did. I, you rat. I did. How cool is that? It was. And I got to tell you, I was so scared. And the day I was doing it, I was, like, I was like, I'm not sure if I can do this. Where do I go? What am I supposed to do? Do I run fast? Do I run slow? And somebody finally came up and said, okay, you get, get started now and you can pick up your pace. And they kind of stayed with me. And my mind was like going, oh my gosh, I'm scared. What if I drop it? And they said, you need to turn around now. And, and the, the torch is here. Grab it. And I'm thinking, oh my God, what if I drop it? And I got to tell you, Tom, I grabbed it and my arm just swung forward and I went, yes, I know where to go. We need to pass that to the next generation. And I don't get why in politics, it feels like that side won't let go. Why would we not pass this you know, message, this torch Aaron, to the future generations? No privileged class in history has ever given up its privileges voluntarily. Just oh my so gosh. you know. But it's not just in giving case them you're up. waiting for, for that to happen, let me just tell you. It's not giving happens, them up. What has to happen is the young people have to show up and assert their rights. And that's what we're that's what Next Gen is about, is trying to enable them not to take what's theirs to stand up for their rights, to have their voice be heard, to have, you know, one of the things that's true, I don't think people understand. I think people are getting that COVID is revealing structural racism in our society on a health basis, on a jobs basis. I think that that's one of the things that's happened in this pandemic. But what people aren't talking about nearly as much is the generational divide that's being exposed in COVID. Because I think the percentage of young people who are unemployed is incredibly high. I think in California, it's 50% of people under 25, 50%. I wow. think that people are expecting that that will change their entire life earnings. It will affect the size of the family that they choose to have. Yes. And it will reduce their life expectancy. So if you think about the, wow. what life is, it's sort of like your family 
your earnings, yes. your lifestyle, and the longevity of your life. That's kind of your life. And it's all being affected in a substantial negative way. And so I think when we look at our society, it's time for us to start saying, wow, you know, we need these young, something's wrong here. And so right. we need to be addressing this and taking responsibility and, and, and dealing with our underlying issues. And, and here's one that people, you know, I, I, so like, I, the press in my mind likes to tell a story that is consistent, whether it's accurate or not. And they're not telling this story. And I think it's going to be, I, I think we have not understood in America the generational divide that exists at a very deep level in our society. This is so true. And, you know, I'm so glad that you work on sending that message. Um, I have uh, three children. I have to stop and think for a moment because I have four grandchildren. When my first granddaughter was born, I, um, I was tired. You know, I mean, this has been a long race and I'm not one to give up, but I'm like, okay, I'm tired. But I was there when my first granddaughter was born. I about caught her myself and, and it just hit me. I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I better get reinvigorated for, for her, for what's to come. So I think it's a truly important message. And, you know, why do we not do that more often? I, I sometimes worry, you know, like I said, I talk about mom's across America that are making changes, you know, whether it be in Hinckley or Hannibal, Missouri, dealing with their lead issue, the moms of Flint, the, the moms in Tonganoxie, Kansas, they're everywhere. They always have been, but their voice wasn't heard. Do you think that somehow there's a perception or an idea out there that the younger generations, that voice hasn't, or somebody doesn't want it to be heard? Well, I think, it, it, you know, it's funny, believe it or not, Aaron, next gen is the, biggest youth voter mobilization organization in American history, which is not because we're such a big, great, deep organization, because no one's ever chosen to do it before. People thought it's too expensive to organize young people. And we mm. thought it's too expensive not young people. And so I would so say true. organization is what works in politics. Right. I think if you look at Black Lives Matter, that is a young person's organization. You know, we're seeing voices come up organically in the system, but it's really important overall that people get out there and have their voices be heard because that's, that's how our system shifts power. And if we don't Correct. do it that way, we're going to do it another way that none of us wants to see. We want our democracy to work for the American people because that's how we have a successful, peaceful society. If, if it doesn't work that way, it'll work another way and nobody wants to go there. But these were all of the things that made America who we are and great. And we're just imploding on ourselves. And I, I really think there's such room here to reform laws and policies that are antiquated, that may have worked then, but aren't going to work now. And if all of that comes together and is reformed. And I don't know why people are afraid of that, but we can't stay status quo and go into the future. And I think the next gen clearly sees that. But it's also about trust when you really think about it, Darren. I mean, oh, that's I, a big word. It's a huge word. <laughs> oh I my mean, gosh. You have to believe that the people representing you are representing you and not themselves at your expense. 
corruption is incredibly dangerous and expensive and negative for a society, including our society. And if we believe that the elected officials are in it for themselves at our expense, oh my gosh, people have to do that job as a service, not as a service to themselves. I agree. And I worry about this nation right now. Uh, I worry about the division. I worry about, you know, the poverty, the unemployment. I worry so much just about our human spirit yeah. and how to keep that alive and, and to believe we can get through this and we can get through it better than ever. Thank you for talking to me. And I look forward to seeing, and I hope doing work together in the future. You are magnificent. Thank you. Thanks, Aaron. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. So everyone, that was so great to have Tom Steyer on. Oh my God. He actually had to cut me off. The gift of gab here. I could have just talked all day long. What? a great message for next gen America, for even us as baby boomers and, and the politics that are involved with it. But the time and the moment is here for us to strategize and to organize and to get busy dealing with our environmental issues, our climate change, our water issues to move into the future. I found the conversation very enlightening very hopeful, very enthusiastic. Um, Tom Steyer, awesome. I was so glad to have you on. Everybody, I hope you enjoy. And it's a conversation that we will be having a whole lot more because you know what? Superman's not coming, but I think we're waking up and we're going to find out. We don't need to go get that hero. We're going to be it. And um, some of our greatest leadership is on its way. Ooh, exciting. Okay, Superman's not coming, everybody. Tag, you're it.